Hi, everyone. You're listening to the RU Review, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. It's the first ever Big Ten Champions Week. And Rutgers draws Nebraska this Friday, December 18th at SHI Stadium. We'll preview that game, but first, let's look back at perhaps not a pretty win, but a very important win versus Maryland. And with us to discuss that big win is Steve Edelson from app.com. Steve, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, guys. Well, it looked like a, a, a game Rutgers was going to lose, Steve, uh, but they pull it out. It's a it's a team that battles from start to finish. Uh, you know, talk about the importance of this win and specifically for this area and recruiting. Well, I, I think you look at parallels, you know, Rutgers and Maryland, that's why these games are so important. You know, both recruiting a lot of the same area, both came into the Big Ten at the same time. You know, Maryland is one of those teams you need to stay ahead of. And I think that's one of the reasons this win was so big for these guys. And, uh, you know, and I also just think that this was uh, showed so many of the reasons why people have embraced this team. You know, they're in every game. You know, they're not perfect, but they play hard all the time. And I thought you saw that in this game, the way they really battled right to the end uh, and were able to pull it out. But, um, you know, it's just, and again, another example of, you know, you see on a weekly basis how this team is so much better than it's been in the last few years, last four or five years. And, you know, I think that that is really what the excitement is about this team is is, is you see how how quickly they're moving forward. Steve, for me, I would ask, um, you could see after the game that this was an emotional win for Coach Hiano. I mean, he was uh, practically moved to tears uh, when it was finally over. The question I have is, um, number one, was it because he was thankful that it was finally over because the game took forever? Uh, it went on and on and on. And was there another part of him that thought, oh, my goodness gracious, this is a, a wounded team that really hasn't played um, in you know their full schedule, and they're on their third-string quarterback. Who I was having flashbacks to Doug Flutie because he was wearing number 22 as well. Um, and, and was there a part of him that thought, "Oh my goodness gracious, if we lose to this team on their third-string quarterback, then that will be you know not a terrible loss, but it would not have been a good loss for them." Um, so, you know, a couple of those things, uh, on him, on his emotions, what did you see from them? Well, I think uh, there were a lot of things in play. I think the, the biggest factor in the emotion was that this had been an emotional week for that team. Uh, three players had lost close relatives that week, two of them to COVID. Um, Coach Yano talked about a, that a little bit in the post game. Um, so this was a team that really, uh, had a lot going on behind the scenes last week and was able to come out, go on the road, and play a good game and, and really battle. So I think that was had a lot to do with the emotion of that moment. Um, and listen, it, Rutgers lost its starting quarterback during that game, and it, it's, it's become so hard to figure out what's going to happen week to week in terms of team performance because everybody seems to be missing guys. But I think another part of that emotion is the fact that that was eight straight weeks Rutgers has been able to play. In. And if they can pull it off, this will be a ninth game, a ninth straight week, whereas so many other teams have had so much trouble with COVID, had so many interruptions, so many distractions. 
this team, while they had their troubles during the summer, has really managed to kind of pull it together and keep their players safe. And um, I think that's part of it, too. I, I think really that emotion was, was COVID-related on a number of different fronts. Steve, a couple of points uh, that I'd like to address and, and get your talk uh, about it or your opinion on it is the eight straight weeks. Now, no one would want COVID to enter their bubble. I understand that. But all the other teams, there's only they're one of only three in the Big Ten that will have played a full schedule. So the other teams, even though you wouldn't want it to happen, but they were able to kind of get that mental and physical break. And, uh, you know, thankfully the teams that were affected, uh, it was to varying degrees, but no one was seriously affected by it. So I'm just wondering what your view of the toll more mentally than physically playing eight straight games, being in that bubble, what that was all about. And then the other point was, and, and he brought it up talking about, it's such an unusual year. Normally he knows the parents, but because they shut down in the spring and because there's been this bubble and you can't see anybody, this whole thing is unusual for him too, as a head coach, uh, as he goes into 2.0. So if you can just address the oddities that he's had to face both in getting to know his team and mentally this club, just getting no break at all. Well, I thought in the first half of the Maryland game, I thought Rutgers looked very flat. Um, you know, for and and to me, I was thinking this is this is this two month straight of games taking its toll here. Um, now, again, they did really come out in that second half, and and I thought uh, played with a lot of emotion late in that game and, and into the overtime. You know, which I, I thought was a really good sign. Um, but yeah, I thought in the first half of that Maryland game, I thought you could see that that team looked like it was dragging a little bit mentally. Um, but uh, but again, the resilience kind of came through. Um, you know, in, in terms of of Coach Ciano, I I think. I think that has been part of the part of the project this year is getting to know a lot of these kids' families and everything and trying to do it in kind of adverse situations. Uh, so that, that has kind of made it even tougher. But I think they've done a pretty good job of it so far. You know, I, I, you, you mentioned that, you know, this is something no coach has gone through. And, you know, uh, it's an interesting situation because – how do you really judge a coach on any coach on what happens this season, given all of the factors in play that have never been here before? I mean, it's, that's a tough thing if you're an administrator or uh, or whatever. You know, there's guys in the last year of their contract, or maybe have two years of a contract left, who you know are going to be looking for an extension. Really judge anything based on this season, you know, and. Um, I, I think what you see from Greg Schiano is that he has he has managed to keep this this thing going in a positive direction through all of this, um, and we'll see what happens with Nebraska if they can pull that off. But um, yeah, I think I think having to deal with so many of these unknown factors has really uh, taken toll on a lot of programs and a lot of coaches this year. 
Steve, let's talk about Art Sitkowski, because it's kind of neat the way it's unfolded here. We yeah. all know he wasn't ready to play his freshman year. Ash threw him out there, and he's taken a lot of heat on the banks from a lot of people. And, you know, he's, he's an integral part now of two wins for Rutgers this season, especially on Saturday. Maybe not a spectacular performance, but did what he needed to do to win that football game. And I, you got you to gotta tip your cap to this guy. He's resilient. He caught a little heat for uh, stepping out last year and, and – uh, and, and red shirting, uh, you know, maybe a few people thought he quit, but listen, he came in and they found a role for him as well. And, and I think you got to tip your, your cap to, to this kid to sticking it out uh, under difficult circumstances. And you know what? No one can take that away from him. You know, no matter how it, if it all falls for him in, in his career at Rutgers, no one can take away him leading the team uh, against Maryland. You know, I, I I don't know what Noah Vedral's status will be with that ankle on Friday, but personally, I think Art Sikowski has earned the start. You know, I think what he what he did against Purdue, leading them to a win on the road, what he did when he came in in that game uh, last Saturday, uh, given his attitude, the way he really embraced the program, even after he lost the the quarterback battle to Vedral during the summer. You know, he he has been a team guy. Um, once Shiano came back, you know, he fully committed to the program. Um, and as you said, he did take a lot of heat. And when he played two years ago, he wasn't ready. And and as you've seen him in, in the three games he's played this year, he has come so far mm. as a quarterback. Um, I, I, I really think, you know, this could be Rutgers' guy now moving forward. Um, I, I really like what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to see the local kid get some uh, – have some success on the field. You know, it's been, uh, as Steve mentioned, it's been a long time coming and uh, he did take a lot of heat as a, uh, you know, they just sort of threw him to the wolves with, uh, he had that big reputation in the big arm coming in. It's nice to see some smiles from him on the sideline. Steve, for me, we know that um, with coach Iano coming back, um, it was a nice, nice breath of fresh air. And um, everybody sort of knew coming in that, this season was really not going to be about um, so much wins and losses on the field, but it's really about the future. Uh, and I always say the guys are going to uh, are going to laugh because I use this comment all the time. A lot of their best wins are going to be coming in uh, kitchens and living rooms, and that is with recruits. I know the early signing period begins this week, and um, you know, Rutgers. I think right now has 21 pledges. They're class is ranked 30th in the nation. Do you know anything about some of the guys that are coming in, any big names or anybody that, you know, they're still waiting on as far as recruiting goes? You know, I don't have a lot of information exactly on who they're going to name in the, in the recruiting class this week. But, but what I will say is that I think, I think what recruits, what guys, and not just this year, but in the years to follow, what guys are seeing from Rutgers on the field this year, whether you're New Jersey or you're in New York, Maryland, Pennsylvania, I think this is a team and a program that a lot of recruits are going to want to embrace now. Yeah. And I think that really is, you know, 
listen, they've won three games. They could win four Big Ten games for the first time ever. That would be great. But to me, the, the most important thing this year is re-energizing the program within the recruiting community. And I think that is probably going to be the biggest accomplishment you're going to see. It's going to be something that's not on the field, but something off the field, something you can kind of feel within the high school ranks locally. You know, people are, are, are interested in Rutgers football again, and I think that is going to be really the big takeaway from this season. Reestablishing right. the brand, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think we all do on that. Just to show you how difficult the road is, though, for Rutgers, and I don't think anybody underestimates it, for as high as they are nationally in recruiting, and that's an art as much as a science determining you know, who has the best class, but it's, it, they're still only like ninth or 10th in the big 10. So it's, it's an enormous task that they have in front of them. But what's different about Greg Schiano 2.0? Do you see any difference in him in his second go around here, Steve? Well, I, I think, I think what you see is um, maybe a, a, a more mature coach, a coach who now, um, really likes to surround himself with uh, a lot of very good coaches and give them the responsibility to do things. Um, and that leaves him to do more of the managing of the program, more of the, you know, real interaction with the kids, the families, and especially important this year because, you know, keeping kids safe and parents want to know their kids are safe, that really has been the most important thing this year and the most important task is uh, kind of reassuring people and making parents feel like, you know, here's this coach we don't know, um, but we feel comfortable with him. We feel comfortable with him taking care of our kids. And, and so I think that that kind of added maturity he has now, been to the NFL, been with Urban Meyer, et cetera, um, kind of allows him to do that at a time when he really has to do that. Hey, Steve, I'll pull a, a line out of your article this past week because I thought it, uh, I was trying to f figure out, you know, how I felt about the season. And this was perfect. It's flashes of progress intermingled with glimpses of the program's immediate past. Now, we all agree that, that Shiana's done a fantastic job. There's no question, but there's that big but because there could be a couple more wins there. Um, yeah. you, you did. You had an article yeah. about uh, the, uh, the, fourth, uh, the fourth down choices against Penn State that gave them a short field. Uh, we know about the Illinois um, you know, passing on first down, although you can put that on Gleason. Uh, you know, the choice of, you know, kickers and things like that. There's there's a lot of things where, you know, let's go to Penn State alone. Your boy Ambrosio came through this past Yes, weekend. he did. Oh, no he, no question, question did. He came through. He, no. By the way, Steve, Steve Edelson, this is, a, this is a discussion we seem to have every week where you measure some of these games, right? Yeah. Is it a season that you just wanted to see progress and you have and going for a fourth win? in the Big Ten never happened before, makes it a success? Or do you look at it as how much it could have been even better if a couple of things went? And yes, your the what boy if. Steve Pitzer came through. Yes, he did. There's no, Matt, Matt, season long. no question, Matt. So there was just, a, you know, like the close wins against Illinois, uh, possible wins against Illinois and Michigan. Does it tarnish it necessarily? Or is it just the, the, the you know, the, the, the way it, the way it goes in the big 10 with the, with uh, the competition, the way it is. 
Well, yeah, I mean, and as you said, I mean, you could look at the, you know, maybe conservative play calling in the first overtime against Michigan and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and a lot of different examples like that. Um, I think I think with Rutgers, the the over overriding thing is you have to look at where this program was last year, two years ago, three years ago, where they were losing, you know, 53 nothing. You know, seventy-eight nothing. There, there were so many games where they were completely non-competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, they're competitive in every game, um, and I think that I think that's important. Now, does it tarnish it? I think it does. The fact that they really they really should be above five hundred when the season's over. If 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 they if they had done a few things differently, um, so. Yeah, I think that does hurt, but I don't think it hurts as much when you look at where this program has has come from, and you know, uh, again, the fact that they they're at least fun to watch this year, and they're competitive pretty much with everyone. Well, one more for me, Steve, and that's my uh, I'm a Wall High grad, and the uh, Wall Crimson Knights, the other Knights, right. had a great year, but I'm a little out of the loop. Why were they so good this year? Well, listen, they were so good because the same reason they were so good last year. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while you get that core group of kids from the neighborhood who are really good athletes, grow up together and make for some special seasons, you know, for a high school and that's exactly what happened with Wall. And in a world where non-publics dominate everything pretty much everywhere now in football, you know, this was a group of kids from the neighborhood. You know, not a group of kids from all over the mm-hmm. state, and they were as good as any team in the state this year. So, to me, that was a great story. What Wall did this year? Sure. Any um, any player on the national level uh, going to big schools or anything? Or, well, their their best player um, is is going to a service academy. I believe. Okay. Uh, I think we'll know that uh, um, Casey Larkin. Okay. Um, and he was a really good player. But I, I I don't really see a ton of like high Division One players there. I think it was again just a group of very good athletes who were um, really together and just uh, re- really like a family there. Yeah. Steve, last one for me um, with Nebraska coming to town on Friday. Uh, why don't you just give us a quick takeaway, both offensively and defensively, what you're going to. Uh, to look for uh, from the Rutgers angle with the uh, Cornhuskers coming to town? Well, you know, this should be actually a good game for the Rutgers defense. Now, that game just got moved to 730, I'm told. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Original 4 o'clock uh, start. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska has struggled offensively this year. And so, to me, I think this is a, a really good opportunity uh, for Rutgers here, because from what I've seen, Rutgers is going to score some points on people. You know, they, they've shown that ability. They have some big playability. Um, and I think this is, this is a, a team that the Rutgers defense can, can really do well against and hold down maybe to 10, 14 points. You know, at, at which point I think you have a really good chance uh, to win that game. And you know, let's face it, this is not a – a, a, a vintage or even a probably a very good Nebraska team. They've had a lot of guys out with COVID and whatnot, but Hey, listen, it's nice to be Nebraska. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think this is a really good opportunity for them. Get to four and five. What they're going to do with a bowl game, I don't know. I really don't have a sense of that if they were to get invited. But um, listen, if they could win this game, I think it's a nice, a nice end of the season. And I think, I think they match up well with Nebraska in this game. But Steve, Rutgers playing much better. Will they ever get any respect from Vegas? Nine-point dogs against Maryland. They're six-and-a-half-point underdogs uh, this week. I mean, that, that surprised me a little bit. It <laughs> yeah, really is. I actually hadn't seen the line this week. Six-and-a-half. they might be underdogs. I didn't think it would be quite that much, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that might have been a day. I don't know. Actually, it was today. It was it was, it was was yeah. updated today, so six-and-a-half. Well, I was a little surprised about that. I thought it, I thought Nebraska would be a very maybe two or, you know, a field goal or so. But, no, it's, it's six-and-a-half, which surprised me a little bit. So Vegas, uh, Vegas just doesn't see the uh, what we're seeing from Rutgers anyway. That's for sure. But Steve, thanks for uh, joining us. You know, we also have a basketball uh, podcast too. We're gonna we're gonna start bothering you, Steve, calling well, you every what, week. <laughs> if you think back to four or five years ago, the basketball and the football teams, how far they have come. Oh, yeah. those are two really fun teams to watch. Now that basketball game last night was fantastic. Tremendous. Fantastic. The second half and uh, Ron Harper Jr. just uh, playing lights out. I think if he keeps progressing this way, he's going to follow follow his father into the NBA. It's very possible. He might. Is the, is that was that? a double-barreled takedown of the Terps, right, on the football field and on the court. Yeah, yeah that was great. Saturday, Monday. All right, Steve, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us, and uh, we hope to have you back on the show soon. Great. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Okay. Well, Steve, thank you very much. And that was Steve Edelson from app.com. We'll be right back. We'll be joined by John Johnston from cornnation.com after a word from our sponsor. At LG Insurance Agency, our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home, car, and business insurance. LG Insurance Agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs lginsuranceagency.com or search LG Insurance Agency. And we're back on the RU Review sponsored by LG Insurance. And joining us from cornnation.com is John Johnston. John, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes with us. I'm I'm glad to talk to people from Rutgers. I don't get out much. I've never (laughs) been to New Jersey. Uh, Let's go. Cool. So we, we love the fact that you guys in, in Lincoln just just live and breathe sports, man. It's fantastic. We love that. So tell us, um, you know, Scott Frost, uh, you know, great job at Central Florida. He's the homeboy coming back, a perfect fit for Nebraska. So tell us, how has that gone for you guys and what's the temperature like in Lincoln with the football program? Well... <laughs> I would say that probably now my website is looking more at providing mental health counseling <laughs> services than just pure sports reporting. Uh, I think when you when you look at Scott Frost, you're right. He's a native son. Uh, he's coming back to Nebraska. He, he, you know, when he got there, he said things like the Big Ten will adjust to our offense, and, and he knew how to win in Nebraska, and, and things certainly haven't gone the way that anybody expected. Uh, I'm not. I think that there was a lot of miscalculations on Frost's uh, part. Particularly, I think he underestimated what it takes to compete in the Big Ten on the offensive and defensive lines, and we're we're still not there yet uh, with regards to getting the lines in place that we really need to be a good team. 
And I guess I hate to say this because of, you know, our hit, but a good team, when I'm referring to a good team, I mean a bowl team. So we haven't gone to a bowl the last two seasons. You know, maybe we'll go to a bowl this year, but it doesn't really count for a bowl for anybody, but it is more practices. So there's that. Um, I, I, I don't think anybody can really put their finger on what's wrong with Nebraska football, other than it comes down to the simple idea that we're not scoring points. I mean, we have an offense that should score 40 points a game and it's producing about 20. And you're not going to win. You're not going to win a lot of football games like that unless you're like Ohio State. You have NFL, you know, defensive linemen all over the place and NFL secondary and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, well, that's, that's the short part of Sprouse tenure so far. And also, it's got to be tough because, you know, three, you know, three national titles in the 90s, right? So, you know, at Rutgers, we're just in football. I mean, we're just thrilled to, like, like get into a bowl game here and there and get a win. Uh, but you guys have had so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you guys have had so much, um, uh, you know, certainly back in the 90s, you've had so much success. So it's it's kind of tough uh, to, to have to rebuild and also in the Big Ten as well. So so the, you have considerable challenges there. Yeah, and I, I, my understanding is that the Rutgers has yet to win four Big Ten games in any of their seasons in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance if they beat Nebraska yes. this week, they will, will have won four Big Ten games for the first time in school history. So given that, uh, congratulations on your victory because that's how the year's going for Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> it has been tough for Nebraska, no question. You know, you mentioned the, the lines. Uh, you mentioned the offense's inability to live up to its billing, you know, where do you see the, what's, what's the crux of the problem? Why isn't the offense clicking and why is a, a, a program that historically, and I'm not just talking the nineties, I'm going way back before then, back into the seventies, this had these hogs, these horses. And now that was always a strength and now it's a weakness. So the things just fall apart upon entry into the big 10 West. Uh, just, just I'm, I'm, I scratch my head with Nebraska all the time. I, I think a few things happened. Uh, number one, I, I don't want to do this, but Mike Riley, when his tenure with the program came, I think he really let the strength program fall apart. And I think he really, uh, he maybe he. He did. Oh my God! I was about to say he did okay. No, he did. He did terrible. But you can't. You can't. It's now Scott's Frost's third year, and you can't constantly. It's like the politics blaming the guy before you. At some point, you have to take responsibility for your program. So, mm. I think we are getting. We we have out recruited most of the teams in the Big Ten, and we've certainly out recruited. You know, when it comes to the ratings, everybody in the Big Ten West. So. There's not really an excuse there for why we're not winning football games with regards to talent. So when you you look at it, you have to come back and go, okay, well, this is coaching. This is the inability to put together a group of guys and get them all focused to move in the same direction. And that's, that's a lot harder than it sounds. You know, when you look at Greg Schiano came back to Rutgers and now he has – a team that under Chris Ash, what, won three Big Ten games in four years? Was that it? I mean, it wasn't good. and lost 21 in a row. Yeah. 
21 in a row before Rick Chiana's return and you have three victories this season. You took Michigan to triple overtime. You almost won at Illinois. Mm. Something happened there mentally to that team that said, we're going to go out, we're going to play tough football and we're going to win football games. And for whatever reason it is, that is not happening in Nebraska. I think we have some talented players and we just don't have an attitude or a mentality that says we're all going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. You look at PJ Flex, cheesy row the boat stuff, but you know it, <laughs> if it works, it works. So I, maybe we need a catchy slogan. Yes, true, John. You mentioned when you came on, you have never been to the Garden State or are not too familiar with uh, with with Jersey. One thing that we do know is that over the years, Nebraska football has been quite familiar with the state of New Jersey. They've mined many of our great talented players going back you know, back in the day to the Irving Friars and Mike Rozier's of the world. Um, and, and as Rutgers is learning now with Greg Schiano back at the helm, recruiting is the, is the mother of all uh, invention in college sports. It's the lifeblood of college sports. Tomorrow is uh, the early signing period begins. You mentioned that Nebraska had been doing pretty well in that respect. How, how is the 2021 class shaping up for them? And, um, headed into the future. Is that something that they're going to continue to do well with? I think it's a, it's a decent class. I, I'm not the recruiting guy for my site, but I will say that, I, again, I think Nebraska is doing a decent job of, of out-recruiting the, the teams that it needs to beat to, to at least win the West. You know, And that's yeah. really what – you look at the Big Ten, right? And you guys are in the East, and you kind of look at that and you go, okay, you're going to have to beat Michigan, Michigan State. Or I'm sorry, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. That's a tough row. Mm-hmm. On our side of the fence, we pretty much have to beat Wisconsin and Iowa, at least for consistency state. So you need to out-recruit those teams. And I think that we've we've done a really good job of that. We have some really good players coming in. Everybody's particularly excited about a kid named Thomas Padone, who's a tight end, probably one of the best tight ends in the nation. Uh, and we certainly could use, I think we could use anything on offense, but again, it goes back to the line. I, we have some good line prospects coming in and again, great, but you've got to develop those guys into, you know, to play in the big 10 and be quality players. What can Rutgers expect on Friday from the Cornhuskers? Oh my God. <laughs> Well, off the Minnesota game, and uh, we know that they were missing 33 players and hadn't played in three weeks, and Nebraska got beat. Uh, maybe that's not the right question to ask, but I guess what should Rutgers fans look for on Friday? I think the – well, you know, it was a fair question, it, and it, it really goes to the core of what, what's wrong with this team is – you know, they, they beat Penn State earlier, and it's a Penn State team that at that time was really lost. They had good players, but they were lost mentally because they had nothing to play for, right? They beat Penn State. They came out against Illinois, and they looked like, well, they looked like a team that thought they were going to walk on the field and Illinois would fall over in their presence and weep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they play a close game against Iowa, and they play decently, and then they come out and they poop on against Minnesota. It's, so it's this bipolar, are we really going to play well this season or this game? 
I don't know what to expect against Rutgers, whether they're just going to go, well, the season's over. I think they, we have some skilled players on offense. You certainly have a Wandale Robinson that's capable of, of generating yardage, and nobody's really generated points. But he's an exciting player. Adrian Martinez, our quarterback, at times could be an NFL Hall of Famer, and then in the next game, like he did against Minnesota, he can be throwing the ball 30 yards over every receiver that's more than 10 yards downfield. We have a good feature back in Diedrich Mills, who's a strong runner, and for some reason we elect to run sideways rather than straight up the field, but uh, we have Luke McCaffrey, who's the second-string quarterback, who can come in and he and Martinez can generate yardage off quarterback runs. Um, I think on defense, we have a very good secondary. Uh, those guys have played really well. We'll be missing one of them, I think, for the first half. Cam Taylor-Brent, who got ejected uh, against Minnesota for targeting, which you know, we could go into targeting, but we won't. <laughs> I think that we do have a lot of good players. Can we play good football? Yes. Can we do it consistently? No. Do we make a lot of mistakes? Yes. There's tons of penalties, turnovers. I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell people. I expect goodness. Well, you but know. It's not, you know. <laughs> John, we were just talking about how Vegas really doesn't like Rutgers, man, because despite them playing better, I mean, they're actually, you guys are favorite. Six and a half point favorites uh, for Friday, believe it or not, uh, the way you're talking, you, that would certainly um, surprise you. Let's go back to Adrian Martinez, because it always baffles me when you see these athletes, man. Here's a, here's a guy who appears to have a good arm, can run. He's got the whole package, but he seems to, like you said, he seems to be inconsistent. So you don't know what you're getting from from Saturday to Saturday or Friday this way, this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you look at Nebraska, and I hate to say this about my football team, what you see from Rutgers this year, you've seen a team that was beat up become strong mentally. And I think when you look at Nebraska, you're looking at a team that is not mentally strong. If things go bad for them, the team just goes into this mode where it's like, oh, crap, this again, you know, and they just, the whole fan base does this. We're like, oh, God, a block punt. Now everything is doomed, you know, but. Everything's gone to hell, and the, the world sucks, and everything. So you really have to learn to pull yourself out of those situations. So when you look at Adrian Martinez, you're looking at a guy who has all the skills, but he—it's like he's pressing, or he gets too anxious, or he gets too amped up. And again, the balls—we have a receivers running wide open all over the place against Minnesota, but we can't connect on a pass over ten yards downfield to save our lives. So. That's the problem there. Well, your receivers should find open space against Rutgers because their defensive backs have been a bit of an mm -hmm. Achilles heel. But if you don't connect with them, it won't matter. Uh, I, I would, I would say, I would say this though that Rutgers' strength this year has been their mental fortitude, and that was not the case under Chris Ash. Uh, they they were not a team that stood up to adversity well. The only question I have coming into this game, not the only, but one of the big questions I have coming into this game from a Rutgers standpoint is, after beating Maryland, there was a pressure release valve that was opened up in the dressing room afterward. It was a celebration like they had just won a division title or had won a bowl game. And 
Greg Schiano was emotional after the game, walking off the field, emotional at his post-game news conference. And I just wonder, and he, he relayed, relayed the fact that, you know, they played every week. They've had no COVID postponements or cancellations. And they are, it's a mentally draining group of athletes he has. I just wonder if they can get up with all on the line, fourth win in the Big Ten, which I know for Nebraska fans, ho-hum, uh, you know, again, they can go to a bowl game. I know for Nebraska fans, ho-hum, if it's not a big-time bowl game. There's a lot for Rutgers to play for, but I can see a letdown as well just because of what I saw after Saturday's game. This is an emotionally drained club. So I'll be curious to see what, whether that toughness is on display on Friday. Well, I think that's what it comes down to. We can talk about athletes all we want, but if you don't have the mental aspect of the game right, you're – your athleticism doesn't matter. And, you know, I guess it's probably a game, you know what, for Rutgers, this game can set up a really, really great offseason. You know, because for the next nine months, you'll be going, I can't wait to watch Rutgers in 2021. Mm -hmm. For Nebraska, if we lose this game, it is going to be a miserable nine months running a website, which is all around Nebraska football. And we're going to be going, what do we talk about now, for goodness? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So it doesn't just reflect the mental aspect on the field. It's kind of like we're going to be crushed as a fan base, you know. And, yeah. and the state of Nebraska's ego is fed by its football team, whether we like that or not. So it is a huge game for us coming up. John, yeah. Noah, Noah Vedrill's been pretty good for Rutgers. Um, tell us uh, – what you saw at Nebraska with him and were you happy to see him go or kind of didn't want to see him go? What, what's your view on Noah Vedrill? Well, I don't think anybody wanted to see him go because he is a, he's like a legacy Cornhusker. So, and there's a lot of people that want to see him do well. There might even be a number of people that want to see him do well against Nebraska. <laughs> they go, see, they should have never let him go. Because now we do, we do have such inconsistent quarterback play that, um, you look at a kid like that, you can only wish the best for him. I think he was decent at Nebraska when he got to play, but again, you didn't surround you. So, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. I, could they have used him this year? Yeah, actually they probably could, if I was being honest, you know? So it's, I guess if he goes to New Jersey and he becomes a hero or he becomes kind of a, a guy that helped you build your program you know all the best for him i wish you know i wish him and you guys the best i just wish it wasn't my expense <laughs> well john last well, one for me and I, I don't know how much um you cover this but just to sort of change gears a little bit maybe uh some happier news uh, on your end but um nebraska basketball big 10 basketball is back and uh fred hoiberg at the helm um, what are you seeing, you know, so far the season's been fits and starts with games being on and off and whatnot. Um, what are you seeing from the Cornhuskers men's basketball team? If that's something that you, uh, that you cover closely. I don't, I don't cover it, but I certainly pay attention to it. I think Fred Hoiberger is exciting. Yeah. Nebraska is getting players. To, I mean, maybe we won't get all of them, but we just had our first five-star recruit come in in history. So we're like basketball where you guys are on football. Yes. Yeah. 
So when you look at Nebraska basketball, I think Fred Hoiberg is, is extremely exciting because he's bringing talent to Lincoln that it, we've never seen before. The team this year is pretty much brand new because all the guys from last year pretty much transferred. It's, they're talented. They have – here's something shocking. They can put five guys on the floor at the time that all look like they can play basketball. <laughs> Normally in Nebraska basketball history, it's been let's put a guy on the floor and there's be four guys out there and one guy goes, oh, well, he's never going to score. He's like taking up minutes. And now yeah. they can put five guys on the floor. They're actually quality basketball players. I don't know if we're going to win a lot of games this year because we're still developing. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, we, we have good players. I just don't want us to finish last. That's my goal for the season. Yeah, well, I know that – that five-star recruit you have coming in, his brother's on the team this year. It's Bryce McGowan's who was um, yeah. slated to go to Florida State and reneged on that, um, and he's going to play with his brother Trey, who transferred in from, I believe it was Pittsburgh, to play for Fred Hoiberg. I think what Fred's going to do is bring in a lot of transfers. He's going to get those guys that uh, might not work out at their first stop, but players that are really good that uh, that he can put out on the floor. So at least there'll be a little bit of excitement this winter uh, in Lincoln for you guys. You you realize Nebraska is the only like top conference school that's never won an NCAA tournament. I did not know that. The only one left. Yes. Oh, interesting. So interesting. Fred Hoiberg takes Nebraska to an NCAA tournament basketball, wins a tourney game. He can I, he can be governor. He can be emperor. <laughs> He will be whatever he wants. He's already the mayor, right? In Ames. Yeah, exactly. He can be every level police chief. I don't care. Whatever position he wants. Great. Terrific. Well, again, you know, we we said it, you know, as as far as Rutgers goes, this game on Friday, Rutgers has struggled against a good running uh, quarterback who's got an arm, too. So, you know, if if Adrian Martinez is on, it's going to be a tough game for Rutgers, without a doubt. And, you know, John, what I'm hearing from you, man, is, you know, like I said at the opening, man, there's a lot of passion with, with Cornhusker sports, man. You guys pack your arenas. You pack your stadiums, man. You're into it. That's great. You know, as, a, as someone who runs a sports site, we, we love that. And you guys have a lot of passion. You're certainly going to turn it around at some point. I mean, Scott Frost is the guy. And, uh, you know, you, you need you need time. We know uh, with Shiano with his first time around, it took him years just to get them to a bowl game. and you know, then he went off to the NFL and, and then we, uh, Rutgers fell on hard times. So boy, we, we understand uh, Rutgers understands hard times. And so, um, but uh, we really appreciate you coming on John and, and uh, taking uh, some time with us and hopefully, hopefully we can have you back uh, in, on another show. We also do a, uh, a basketball podcast too. So it'd be great to have you back on. Okay. All right. That'd be fine with me. Thanks for having me. You guys take care. I wish you luck, but not that much. <laughs> well, John, again, thanks for coming on. All right. Take care, you guys. Take care. Thanks, John. So that was John Johnston from CornNation.com and Rutgers Friday night now. It's 7.30 kickoff now that we just heard about. So that's this Friday night against Nebraska. That'll do it for the RU Review this week. Uh, Check us out on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, all the places that you listen to your podcast. And we will catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.